Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I've had the privilege in my life to have some great leaders and be under some great leaders and to see that everyone under them is flourishing and blessed and cared for and ministered to that they use that power or opportunity to bless other people. And we've all seen bad leaders. We've seen people that abuse it or use it wrong, whatever. And so in whatever way God lets you be a leader, right? You're a leader in the church. You're a leader in your home. If you're a leader on your job, you're a leader on your team, wherever God lets you be someone above other people, you want to you walk that out. Have you been blessed with a position of leadership in your life? If you have, are you being the leader God would want you to be? Everyone has had to deal with poor leadership before, and in those situations, we adopt the mindset of I can do it better. So why don't we? In today's message, Pastor Bill encourages you to lead how Jesus will lead. With a good leader, people can flourish and grow, and that's exactly what God wants for his people. Are you willing to step up your leadership qualities? Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 8 for today's edition of The Transforming Word. Just keep going anyway, that you just wouldn't stop, that nothing would stop you from the things that God has called you to be doing. It's supposed to be difficult sometimes. God lets it be difficult sometimes. In the difficult seasons, God is pruning us and teaching us and You know, there are things that we just don't learn when everything is easy. And so there are lessons of faith that we learn when things are difficult. You know, I really I really don't know that I'm walking in faith until I have to exercise faith. So I can't see how it can work out outside of just believing God. And so sometimes God puts us in scenarios where it's uncomfortable. I can't see how this is going to work out. All I have is God's word. And God said, that's enough. It should be enough for you to just keep going at my word. And so. Those are, you know, it, it, but it comes through difficulty. I can look over my life. And again, I, 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 as I say it, I cringe. I look over my life and I can, I can look at the things that the beneficial things that God brought into my life through difficulty. Difficult things, but they came through difficulty. I wouldn't want to go relive any of them. I didn't ask for them when he brought them, but he brought great things out of them. And I needed them in my life. I didn't want them, but I needed them. And I know that I'm not done yet. You know, I know that. And. God, as he sees fit in my life, God will allow challenges and things to to strengthen me and, and grow me up in him. And so for you and I, when God does that, some people get angry. Some people quit. Some people say, it's just too hard. I can't man back, whatever. If you become accustomed to quitting, the end result is you'll never accomplish anything for God. Nothing. Your life will be wasted. No one accomplishes anything great for God easily. It comes through difficulty. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be tests of faith. There's going to be, you know, pressings on your flesh. There's going to be warfare and adversaries and things that happen and things that come against you. And there'll be times where you just got to push through and say, I'm, I'm, I'm only moving forward because God said, go forward. I'm not going to stop. I'm just, I'm committed to finish what he, what he told me to do. I can say this, getting to the backside of many of these things, getting to the other side when, when the thing that God said do, he did. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. Nothing like seeing God do something and bring a work to completion, see him finishing something he started, see him, you know, you see his word come to pass in your in your own life. There's nothing like that. But many times in order for us to see that we've got to endure and we've got to stay the course. And so, again, as I look at Gideon here, tired guys, worn out, they they could have said at somewhat, we've done enough. We could let's take a break. 
You know, but they didn't take their foot off the gas. They kept their foot on the gas. These guys won't feed us. We're hungry. We're going to keep going. You know, we're going to get food somewhere, but we're not going to stop. That's not going to be the answer isn't stop. The answer is something else other than that. And that's that's a mindset that it'd be great for us to adopt and, and gather a mindset that says once God has given me something, I'm not stopping. I'm going to push through to the end, you know. So I just say this to us that are that are raising kids as well. We want to be careful to raise our kids and not allow them. You know, it's, it's a their quitting is a characteristic. Some people are quitters. When everything is given, they quit. When they're not the best on the team, they don't want to play. When they're not this, they, they don't want to do it anymore. You want to make sure that you're developing character in your kid that says, you know, before my kids do something as simple as play a sport, it's like, you know, I don't, let's pray. You know, are you supposed to play this sport? Are you supposed to be on this team? You know, this looks right. We looked at it. We, you know, let's pray about it. I make them pray. You know, you tell me God wants you to do this. Because now when, when it gets hard and you go out there and get rocked or whatever, it's like, no, we said God said, right? <laughs> Pick it up, you know, get, get back on through there. You know, like that's why we prayed first. You know, it's it may seem like a simple thing, but that's just a that's that's a novel thing. But God's teaching them lessons as they do that. Their character is being refined and developed as they do that. You know, they're learning how to push through, overcome or quit and succumb. And so those things, you know, they'll, they'll travel right over into our walk with the Lord and how we carry things out for God. Gideon, again, great example in that he, he pressed on, he pressed in like many other men and women of God. We see in scripture that they weren't easily deterred from God's word to them. Verse 10 says, now Ziba and Zalmunna were at Karkor and their armies were with them about 15,000, all who were left of the army of the people of the east for 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. So they, they've taken quite a loss. These guys have taken a beating in the war. They have 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. These guys have died. So they've been getting, the enemies of God have been getting licked out there on the battlefield. Verse 11, then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in the tents on the east of Nobah. And now I'm doing my best with these names, Jogbaha. And, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. Now, I like that. I, I just paused there, you know, looking at all he says he attacked them when they felt secure, when they felt like we're good. I don't know. I don't know why they felt secure. They, everybody's out there getting licked. But he, he said we, we attacked them when you know, I don't know if you waited till nighttime. Everybody snuggled in and they got campfires going. They just had their their tea or whatever they drink. But he said when everybody felt secure, we went up on there and got them. So they, they attacked them. Then verse 12. When Ziba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them and he took the two kings of Midian, Ziba and Zalmunna, and he rooted the whole army. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle from the ascent of Harry's. And he caught a young man of the men of Succoth and interrogated him. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth and his elders, 77 men. So real quick. I, you know, the, the other battles, it, it kind of happens real quick. You know, the, the, the leaders that they were going after, Zeba and Zabuna, they catch them. The area that they go to, they routed the whole army. That means they directed the whole army where they were, you know, away from where they were going. They routed them. So they, they had victory over this enemy. The enemies are run off. They got the two kings, Zeba and Zalmuna, they were looking for. Then it says Gibeon grabs one of, he finds a young man from, uh, one of the young men from Succoth. Succoth was the first place where he said, hey, guys, give us something to eat. And they were like, nope, we're not giving you nothing to eat. You know, we're going to win. And he said, when I come back, I'm whoop y'all. You know, so he caught one of the young men and he interrogated him. We don't know how he did it. And I just 
I don't know about you guys. I, I read that and my mind keeps going back to the guy that was in the wine press. You know, the scary guy in the wine press hiding out, threshing wheat so to get, you know, give me nice, don't come get him. This dude has become a man of war. He is an interrogator now. I mean, just he has become a different guy. Like as the Lord has apprehended his life, as he's operating in faith, the spirit of God came upon him. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to not mention that. That's a big part of what took place in his life. But I just look at him now and think this is like a different dude interrogating people. I'm going to find out about, I want to find out the leaders. And he interrogated this young man. You know, our culture, we would call this young man a snitch, you know, but we don't know, you know, hey, look, if this is the guy that just, this guy just led the army that whooped everybody else. We just went through a town where 120,000 men died. You know, you, what you want to know, sir? What, what can I do you for? You know, I got all the names, first and last. I know they residents and everything. So, I don't, I'm knocking this young man, you know, so he gave up all the, the leaders, 77 of the elders and leaders. He gives them up. This is a word to us that are functioning in a place of leadership. He didn't go back to everybody in Sukkot. He wasn't worried about everybody. Who was he worried about? Those that you guys are the ones that made the bad decisions. You guys are the ones that God put in charge. You guys are the leaders, the elders, though. You're the ones responsible. And so I'm coming to see you. I'm going to discipline you. Everybody else is going to the people that you're over are going to observe what goes on to you as a witness to them what not to do. And for those of us that are in leadership or that are leading in any way, you want to you want to walk that responsibility out carefully. It's a blessing that God would let any of us be a leader to any of his people. It's not because of you, it's because of him upon your life, it's because of his hand with you. But you want to you want to walk carefully with that. For teachers, the Bible says, hey, don't be many teachers, knowing that you shall receive the stricter judgment. There will be a higher expectation. People will expect more and and rightly so, because you're talking to them all the time. Um, for us parents, parents are spiritual leaders. Dad, you're like the priest of the home. Mom, you're overseeing them. The, the kids have a right to observe your life and have an expectation that you're living what you're demanding of them. So often in Christian home, parents are demanding of children what the kids can't even observe in them. We're demanding their obedience, but they see your disobedience. We're demanding that they, you know, demanding that they behave a certain way, live a certain way, and then they're looking at you not. Hold that responsibility carefully. It's a big deal. It matters to God. We'll give an account for how we use it. And leadership is it can be used in a way that blesses everybody under it. And we've all seen good leaders. I've had the privilege in my life to have some great leaders and be under some great leaders and to see that everyone under them is flourishing and blessed and cared for and ministered to that they use that power or opportunity to bless other people. And we've all seen bad leaders. We've seen people that abuse it or use it wrong, whatever. And so in whatever way God lets you be a leader. Right. If you're a leader in the church, if you're a leader in your home, if you're a leader on your job, if you're a leader on your team, wherever God lets you be someone above other people. You want to you want to walk that out responsibly. Honor God in those positions because he's the one that puts you in the position that you're in. Amen? Amen. Amen. So he takes the leaders, the 77 men, verse 15, it says, then he came to the men of Succoth and said, here are Zeba and Zalmunna about whom you ridiculed me, saying, and the hand of Zeba and Zalmunna, are the hand of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand that we should have, that we should give bread to your weary men. So Gideon actually takes these guys. He takes Zeba and Zalmunna. He takes these leaders. He comes on down the road 
And he gets out to, he goes to suck off. Hey, come on out, guys. All you 77, come out here. Here goes Ibn Zalmuna, about whom you ridiculed me. And I want you to note that he says, you guys didn't just not give me something. You guys mocked me. You guys ridiculed me. And that's why I said, I think the intent was to discourage him. And he would just cut it out. You guys ridiculed me about these guys. Well, here they are. I got him. God did it. And I don't think he's doing this in a nanny, nanny, nanny kind of way. But I think he's letting them know, like, look, I, you know, I was what I said was right. You know, God did what he said he was going to do. Now, I told y'all I was going to do something. <laughs> so get ready. <laughs> get ready. So <laughs> verse 16, he says, and he, he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars. And with them, he taught the men of Succoth. Now, I was looking this up in the manners and customs. So I was like, what does this mean? When it says he taught them, what did he teach them? How did he, what did he do with these thorns and briars? And here is the manners and customs. On this, this is what the customs of the day said this experience was, that the men would literally be stripped naked, laid out and whipped with the thorns and briars, a public shameful a whipping that that's what would happen that that's that's how this would go down so it says when it says he taught them he didn't stand there with a book and say now let me speak to you men what would, what would be the point of the thorns and briars they got they got publicly whipped and with thorns and briars on their bare skin and there would be markings they would be marked for the rest of their time there people take off your shirt what happened to you? Oh, you was one of the 77. <laughs> you know, um, they would be marked for what they had done. And that was their penalty. Verse 17, it says, then he tore down the tower of Penuel and he killed the men of the city. So the tower that was there, as he told them when he came back, he tore it down. Like he said, he kept his word and he killed the men of the city. Verse 18. And he said to Zeba and Zalmunna, what kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. And so Gideon says, when you guys were in Tabor, you, the, the people that you killed, what did they look like? And they said, they looked just like you guys. Each one resembled the son of a king. It's going to turn out that these are Gibeons. These are his family that was killed. And so it says in verse 19, then he said, they were my brothers and the son of my mother as the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And so Gibeon says, look, the people you killed, that was my family. Those are my brothers. If you had to let them live, I would have let you live. Since you killed them, now I'm going to kill you. In verse 20, he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was still a youth. Now, pause here real quick on verse 20. Gibeon's son is a firstborn. It says he's still a youth. We don't know exactly what number that age is. Um, but he says he told his son, I want you to go kill these guys. Go run them through with the sword. Kill them. And it says, but he wouldn't do it because he says he wouldn't do it because he was still a youth. He was afraid because he was still a youth. And I had to ponder that because I'm thinking of some other youth in the Bible that did it anyway. You know, I look at his son. I'm like, man, what's different between him? He was a youth. David was a youth. Was he not? David was a youth, and I, I read that story, and I, that's, I still love that story. And one of my favorite parts of the David and Goliath story is, is it said that, you know, Goliath came out, and it said David ran out to meet him. Like, he ran out. Like, 
It wasn't like he was timidly like, okay, Lord, I hope you're going to do it. You know, he came out and he was like, like a guy that's like, I'm amped. This is my time to get it down. Like he ran out like, let's go. You know, like that's what I envisioned. I envisioned this dude running out like, it's on. I'm waiting for this all night. Get my stones. You know, he wasn't, there was no fear. You don't get the imagery that he was afraid. And I read that and I think, why wasn't David afraid? Because he believed God. He trusted the Lord. So, you know, I, I don't know enough. There's not enough here to build anything on it. It just says his son wouldn't do it because he was afraid that he was a youth. Now, again, I read that and I think, man, I know some youth that there are youth that in their youngness, there's immaturity and there's fear. They've never done it before. Haven't seen it before. Haven't experienced it before. And again, I was again, I'm just pondering this, you know, that I'm not knocking him. The Bible's not knocking him. It's just expressing what was there. But I'm looking at this youth that's afraid and won't go and do what his dad said do. Um, and I don't believe his dad would have said do it if he didn't think he was capable of doing it. They were going to just stand there and take it anyway. He just wouldn't go do it. And but I can see some other youth, and other young people in the Bible that just seem uninhibited, um, not afraid. And I would just say this to us that are parents. I believe that in this experience right here, Gibeon learned something about his son. Maybe saw something need to be worked on. He needs to be encouraged. This he needs to be strengthened. That 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 in a moment in time where it's it's on right now, like I need you to step out, man. And he couldn't. He wouldn't do it. We need to have our eyes on our kids, and we want to. We want our kids to grow in faith. How did David grow in faith? David had experiences with the Lord. This may be for him being a king's kid. This maybe was his first. He maybe ain't seen nothing yet, except for what dad did. And what dad does is not enough for him to have his own faith. My kids can't develop their own faith by just watching what I do. It could be helpful. It's a good example. But there are going to be times where they got to jump out on their little bitty faith. They got to believe God for what he wants them to do. And you got to let them get out there and experience it. So just a word to us that are parents, which is a form of spiritual leadership. Let's make sure that we're giving our kids chances to step out there in faith, you know, challenge them when they make decisions. Hey, I want you to pray about it. Why do I want you to pray about it? Because I want you to come back with what God said. And then once God says it, you got to do what God said do. And you got to operate in obedience by faith to what God said do. You can't fall back on it. You got to go forward with it. And then we got to get to the end of it and we'll see what God did. As you trusted him, believed him and stepped out beyond what you thought you could do or whatever. And you, you keep giving them those opportunities. Parents, we got to do that as early as possible, as early as they understand who the Lord is in their lives. And you can have those kind of conversations and talk to them about things. I think God wants me to do this. Do you? I want you to get something together. Right. And, and you stir it up in them and give them opportunities to step out. They might fail, but they might succeed. They might step out there and it just whoop, didn't work out. It's all right. It's all right. There's something else for you. then, You know, but at least you did. it. At least you stepped out. Never going to put you down. You know, but maybe they step out in little bitty faith and God shows up and they're like, man, I, I did something with God. And God begins to do something on the inside of them that you can't do for them. I can't create faith in my kids. I can't. It's everybody here has faith. It's yours. You develop it through your own relationship with God. It's not through stories that someone else tells you. I can testify to you about what God's done in my life. And you can say, wow, praise the Lord. But when your situation comes up and you need your own faith, that's developed through your own obeying and trusting and stepping out and believing. So, again, as I read that, it just made me think of our kids. And as parents, we want to encourage that, challenge it, talk to them about it. You know, when they're reading things and, and things come up, I, you want to sometimes you got to push them out the boat. 
you know, go out there and I want you to see what God's going to do and let them experience, let them take steps of faith, let them see God show up in their life. Because at some point your kids are going to be away from you and it's going to be imperative that they believe you won't be there to give all the good counsel and say they're going to have to have their own faith. And so you want to start as soon as possible helping them cultivate that. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Yes. But faith is also cultivated by um, as we step out in it and experience God through it. Faith is a, it's a living part of who we are. And some of us have believed God, trusted God and stepped out on God's word enough to where it's like, I just believe God's going to come through because I got history. When do your kids start developing history with the Lord? They got to start somewhere. And so your job, parents, to push them out there, you know, um, I'm not saying push them out to fail, but like, man, give them little steps of faith, give them little things to do, you know, and, and just see what God might do as they as they step out, you know. And so everybody, your parent here can pray about how that looks for your kid. But I read that and it was like, man, it was son wouldn't do it, you know. And so moving on in verse, he said, so he's in verse 20. He said, rise and kill them. But the youth would not draw a sword for he was afraid because he was still a youth. Verse 21. So Ziba and Zalmunna said, rise yourself and kill us. For as a man is, so is his strength. So Gibeon arose and killed Ziba and Zalmunna. And he took the crescent ornaments that were on their camel's necks. So Gibeon rose up and he did it himself. And maybe left that example for his sons that he rose up and did it. I thought it was interesting. I've always I've heard that phrase for years, you know, and I don't know if you guys have heard it, but this is the context of it. For as a man, for for as a man is, so is his strength. This is the enemies of God saying, you do it, right? Because it was a it would be a disgrace for them to be killed by a kid. Uh, it would be a more disgraceful death to be killed by a kid than to be killed by Gideon, which I'm sure is why Gideon said, son, go over there and whack him, you know, um, but he, he wouldn't do it, you know, so he went ahead and took care of it. Now, verse 22 says, then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. Now, the first thing I told you, I believe the enemy did in this chapter was to bring discouragement, try to stop him from doing what God wanted. I believe what the enemy is trying here through the people is to exalt him beyond what he should be exalted. They say, you know what? Be our king. I want you to be our, I want you to be our king. You're going to be the king family. Your sons and your grandsons, they'll be, your family will be the, the kings for us because you delivered us because you did this. Now, to your flesh, that's going to sound great. Yeah, you know, I did that. You know what I'm saying? Now, they, now I finally get some respect around here, you know? Uh, after Look, now, I want you to even notice this. After one group just told you they wouldn't even feed you because they don't believe in you, now that you've had all the victory, you come home and the Israelites, your people are saying, hey man, we believe in you. Matter of fact, we want you to be our king. You be our leader. You're our God. I want you to be our king and not just you, your sons and your grandsons after you, your family, Gideon, y'all gonna be the king's family. Would you be our king? And Gideon could have said, you know what? I make a great king. I think I, as a matter of fact, you know, he could have. And I, I believe that this was a temptation for him to fall into pride, fall into, you know, exalting himself, thinking more highly of himself than he ought to think. And I would just encourage any of us here that God is doing a great thing through that you that none of us would lose the not not just the the, the, the acknowledgement of the awareness, there'd be an awareness in you that's a genuine awareness that it's not you, it's God. That as soon as you believe, you start to eat your own press, as soon as you start thinking it's you, 
there, there's going to be something taken away because God won't share his glory with anybody. He's not supposed to because it's always going to be bad for people to look to us. Our goal is God exalts a man or a woman. The goal is to help people to look to you. Jesus. That's the, that's the highest goal. That's the greatest thing we can do is point somebody right past us to the Lord. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington with a transforming word. We know you didn't have to come today to hear from the book of Judges. You could have easily switched channels or moved on with your day doing other things. But you did choose to tune in. And for that, we're grateful. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Los Angeles, California. If you found these messages helpful and encouraging, why not listen to more? You can find these teachings at calvaryinglewood.org. Just look under the teaching tab. You can also download our mobile app to have these messages with you wherever. Another resource on our website is a daily Bible reading plan that might interest you. You'll also find links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So head over to CalvaryInglewood.org for all the information you need. And if you still haven't found what you're looking for, just call or text us. Our number is 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. If you're wondering about a way you could contribute to the ministry here at A Transforming Word, we greatly value your prayers and financial support if you feel led to do so. On CalvaryInglewood.org, you'll find a Give tab that helps you know how to proceed. Thank you for your support. We hope you come back here next time as you quickly notice the effects of A Transforming Word.